0: Uh, My name is Phil. I'm one of the pastors here. And first, I just have to acknowledge uh, that there is a lot of joy in this room. It's so fun to have the kiddos in the room as always. It's fun to see you guys in your festive and ugly sweaters. And you can see I've got one of my own. I don't know if you want to zoom in on that. You can see um, there's a story behind this, okay? So (laughs) last last week we announced, uh, you know, to bring some taxidermy. We were looking for a raccoon, And I didn't really think that anybody would actually do that. So somehow we ended up with three. It looks like uh, our church had a baby with Council Bluffs in the back there. Um, But it it is what it is. And so I wanted to make sure that Sparky the raccoon was somehow here. He's a raccoon over at our Midtown location. It's a thing somebody donated a few years ago. And so I wanted to make sure that he was here somehow. And you can see uh, we've got... I've got my two bosses, so I might get fired after this. This might be my last Sunday up here. I don't know. Uh, But you can see at City Light, we don't take ourselves uh, too seriously, obviously. Uh, But we do take God and His Word very seriously. And so I know it's going to take a minute to get dialed in this morning, but I would ask you uh, to get there because we're here to worship Jesus, we're here to get in His Word. And it really is a joy and a privilege for me to be able to bring you the Word of God today. So there's going to be uh, several passages of Scripture that we're looking at this morning. So I would invite you to grab your Bibles. The first passage that we're going to be looking at is in Deuteronomy. And we are in our Advent uh, series called Awaiting the Messiah. And Advent simply means arrival. Uh, And in this season, we uh, celebrate and we anticipate as we eagerly await the promise of Christmas and all of that brings Uh, in the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, And if you're new here, just jumping in, I do want to catch you up to speed because all of these weeks are really connected and they bring continuity to the overall series um, and the Christmas story as we look at Old Testament promises, how those promises are fulfilled through Jesus in the New Testament, and then we have the promises that we look forward to In the future, and as you look at this slide that uh, will will come up, uh, Gavin introduced this last week, and you see it's a timeline, and we're introducing this and and made this so you can see that really we can't connect we can't disconnect the Old Testament from the New Testament because it's all one larger story that's about Jesus Christ. So every week we're going to be looking at an Old Testament promise and then how Jesus came at the first advent and then where we fit into that story. Uh, That's where we're at. You are here in between the first and second advent, and then we get a look forward to the second coming of Jesus and what that means, that he's gonna usher in a new kingdom and bring a new heaven and a new earth. So that kind of sets up the framework for this morning. Uh, We've talked about in the last couple weeks Jesus as Emmanuel. Gavin talked about last week Jesus as our shepherd. And this morning, I'm gonna be unpacking what it means as we are awaiting uh, a prophet. And prophet is not the... Uh, necessarily the easiest biblical term to understand. Um, in fact, I looked up some synonyms this week, and just by worldly standards, these are some words that I came across. Psychic, fortune teller, telepathist, neither accurate or helpful in any way, right? But when you think about the word prophet, um, many things might come to mind. You might think of an old man with gray hair who's calling down fire from heaven, Or you might think of a televangelist that you see on late night TV who has a spray tan and just wants you to get his book or make a donation so you can get your blessing. That's not helpful either. And so this morning, to to set up this sermon, I want to give a definition, a biblical definition of what a prophet is. A prophet is simply one who speaks God's truth to others. One who speaks God's truth to others. This definition is saying a prophet is somebody who communicates God's message on his behalf. Basically, he's the mouthpiece of God. And in the o- Old Testament, this was often seen as, thus says the Lord. Or they were pointing to a future events that would take place or coming judgment that was to, to come. But the main reason that the prophets were given were, were to give us an inspired word of God. to to reveal the, the character of Jesus, to reveal his love, to reveal his son who was to come in the flesh. This is the promise that the nation of Israel was looking forward to. They were looking forward to the Messiah, the Savior, the one who would come and take away their sins. And I also have to say this before we go any further. In the Old and New Testaments, the prophets were given to give us the very word of God, God's divine inspired word in the scriptures. And the New Testament teaches that there are no more prophets like that who are giving us these divine words. Like there's nothing that can be added to the Bible. However, the New Testament does teach that we can speak prophetic words, uh, mainly for encouragement, for building up the body uh, of Christ and for pointing others towards Jesus. Now, that's a whole nother sermon that I don't have time for this morning unless you wanna be here till 3 p.m., But we're not going to go there. The main thing that I want you to see this morning is that God speaks and that we must listen. That's the main idea for this morning. God spoke the world into existence. And God spoke through the prophets of old before the time of Jesus. And now God has spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ. God speaks and we listen. And as we anticipate his arrival this season, we know that Jesus coming as a prophet didn't mean he just came as a baby, but that he he came with a message, declaring a message, speaking a message about himself. And then he carried out that message through his life, death, and resurrection. I remember uh, when I was in fifth grade, and uh, my teacher at the time, Mrs. Moon, she handed out a quiz. And uh, some of you kids uh, in the room, you know what that's like. You've been in class. Your teacher hands out this quiz. This was a random quiz we were not expecting. And so she hands it out. We get the papers. We have our pencils ready. And she gives very clear instructions. She says, listen to what I'm saying and listen to the instructions that are on this test. And so I read. We get them all. We have our pencils ready. And she says, go ahead and start. And I read the instructions at the very top. And it says, read through. All the numbered steps below before you begin, read the directions carefully and do exactly as they say. I thought, okay, that's easy enough. Like, I'll just read the steps and follow and do them. And so I get my pencil ready and I'm reading and I'm noticing that all the other students in the class are turning their papers over, they're writing things down. So I quickly follow. And step one is turn your page over, write your name at the top. Then step two, draw a heart. And then step three, write your name on the bottom And then I do all the steps, my paper's marked up, and I get down to step 11, and I realize that this was a trick test. It was actually a listening test that I failed, okay? And I got down to step 11, and I read it, and it said, do not do steps one through 10. Put down your pencil quietly and wait for the rest of the class to finish. And I thought in that moment, oh man, like I blew it. I messed up because I didn't listen. I didn't follow the directions, And of the 30 kids in the class, maybe two or three actually followed them and never put their pencil on the paper. And it's likely those kids didn't go to Wayne State, I'm just saying. Um, But in in a similar way, God has given us clear instructions. Listen, the Bible is God speaking to us. And that's our perfect guide for life. And I share that illustration to really stress the importance of listening, Listening to the very word of God spoken through the prophets, and listening as we are awaiting the ultimate prophet in the person of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we're going to be tracing this theme of God's prophet through redemptive history, highlighting what the advent of Jesus means as he's come to us as a prophet. And I really have three parts to this sermon um, that fit the structure that we're following during this advent season. And the three parts are this. One, the promise of a prophet, the arrival of a prophet, and the longing for a prophet. So let's jump into number one, the promise of a prophet. And uh, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 18, if you have your Bibles. And to give you some context here, Moses had just stepped down off the mountain. He has the tablets, to Ten Commandments, and he's giving the law to the people of God. As a prophet, he's communicating the message that God wants him to communicate to the people. And the message is one of repentance. It's one of turning from sin. It's one of listening to the voice of God, listening to his commands to obey his word and to love him. In fact, right before the, verse, the verses that we're about to read, there's a warning uh, to stay away, to, to stay away from the messages of, uh, of the world because all of the, at that time, All the messages that all the other nations were listening to were not the voice of God. They were not listening to the message that God was communicating. In fact, Moses says they were listening, all the other nations were listening to fortune tellers. And he looks at the nation of Israel and he says, Listen up. Don't do that. Listen to my words. In Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 18, it says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. So after Exodus, after the people exited out of Egypt, the presence of God was with them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to lead them where they should go. And what these verses are referring to is a time when Moses was on Mount Sinai and God was with him. And God, uh, at this moment in history, was speaking to all of the people um, for the reason so that they would hear his voice and believe. And think about their situation for a moment. They were in uncharted territory, unfamiliar places, and yet they had seen the miracles of God. They had crossed through the Red Sea on dry land. They had ate the bread from heaven, right? They saw water come from a rock, but their hearts, they still complained. They still groaned, and they still uttered words against Moses and against God. And it seems like in this moment, God is like, what else do I have to do to get their attention? To show them that I am real, that I am with them, that I am for them. So what does he do? He speaks verbally for all of them to hear. And imagine the scene. Moses is on the mountain, and there is thunder and lightning, and there's a thick cloud that is covering the mountain. And it said there was a loud blast, and the people were terrified. They were afraid for their lives. And the, the, the story in Exodus, Exodus says that God descended on the mountain in fire, and he spoke, And the whole mountain trembled. Imagine if you were in an earthquake and you are terrified by the surroundings that are around you. If you've ever been in a life threatening situation, or if you've been terrified or scared or anything like that, you know you do not want to go back to that place. And this is how the people of God felt in that moment. They said, Okay, God, we get it. We heard you, we know you're real but please don't ever do that again. And they say the same thing to Moses. Moses, please don't let God do that again. You can be his mouthpiece. We'll listen to your voice. We just don't want to die. And in verse 17, it says this, and the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. See, God affirms what they're saying. They can't be in the presence of God and still live. See, God told them "When, when I'm speaking, stay away from the mountain. If you touch it, you'll you'll die. So the the people understood, and they had a healthy fear of God, and they understood what it required to be in the presence of God. And then we get this promise, the promise that we cling to, this promise of a prophet in verse 18. It says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And so here God promises the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And commentators say it's likely, uh, unlikely that the people at that time really understood the fullness of the implications of this promise and what it meant. But they had a hope in the promise that they were looking forward to prophets that were going to come after Moses and a great prophet that would come. But these people had to wait about 1,400 years, from the time Deuteronomy was written, from the time that Jesus broke through time and space. That's a long time. But City Light, the good news of this promise is that Jesus did not leave us alone. He didn't leave us in our brokenness and in our sin. See, even when Adam and Eve sinned, even when the Israelites built a golden calf for themselves, uh, even when the people demanded kings and the kings were wicked, even when God raised up prophets and the people cursed and killed them, even when there was 400 years of silence from the time of the last Old Testament prophet, Malachi, all the way up until John the Baptist, who was the forerunner pointing us towards Jesus. See, God was gracious through it all. His, he was gracious through it, through it all and he always made a way for the people. He was gracious to provide a line of prophets who would come before Jesus and gracious to promise the great prophet, Jesus Christ. And so listen, this Christmas, when Christmas came, when God broke through time and space and he brought salvation through the person and work of Jesus, God was no longer speaking from a mountain in majesty and terror. He was no longer speaking from the prophets of old. He's speaking to us through his son, Jesus Christ, in grace and in truth. And so here we have the promise of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And now we get to the part where we're in this story, the in-between of the first Advent and the second Advent, where we get to look back 2,000 years ago and see this promise. So that brings me to my second part. Number two, the arrival of a prophet. And this is where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. Uh, Flip with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3, verses 19 through 22 and you're going to see very clearly how this promise from Deuteronomy is fulfilled in Jesus. So this is Peter speaking to the men of Israel, the men who put Jesus on the cross. He's preaching to them about Jesus. And this is what he says. Acts three nineteen through 22. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. And then he quotes from Deuteronomy in verse 22. And he says, Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. So this promise is fulfilled in Jesus And we can see in verse 19 that Peter came preaching the same message of the Old Testament. It was one of repentance and belief for the forgiveness of sins. And we know that when Jesus came and he brought salvation into this world that forgiveness doesn't come by an old sacrificial system. Jesus came as a baby. He lived a perfect life. He died the death that we deserved on the cross and then he rose again and he eliminated the old testament sacrificial system and he's made a new way for us to relate to god and a new way for god to speak to us additionally in verse 21 it says heaven must receive him until the time of restoring all things so we know that that jesus is in heaven right now and he's seated at the right hand of the father and he's given us the presence of the holy spirit to reside in us he is our mediator on our behalf And when you think about the Old Testament times, all the time before this first arrival of Jesus, before the incarnation of Jesus, uh, and where we're at in the story today, there are really two primary ways that God has spoken to his people and to us. In Hebrews chapter 1, it makes this very clear. Look with me at Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through him, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And now you might ask uh, the question, What does that mean for us today? What's our application of Jesus being God's ultimate prophet? And I want to give you a few, but I want to say this. You know, before the arrival of Jesus, God spoke through the prophets. And now we're in this in-between time, the first and second advent. What does Hebrews say? How does God speak to us today? It's through the Son. The arrival of the prophet, the final prophet, is our final word. And it's a final word through Jesus Christ. And listen, church, in our culture and our society today, we are, we are overloaded and inundated with information and communication, and sometimes we have an unhealthy appetite for it, whether that's through our, our phones, our social media, our TV, our music, our radio, our newspapers, our magazines, our movies, you name it, whatever it is, we have a wealth of information and communication coming our way. And uh, City Light, if I'm honest with you, as one of your pastors, I'm tempted to listen to the voices of the world. I'm tempted to drown out the voice of Jesus with the noise and the voices of this world. And it can hinder my relationship with God. It can hinder my relationships with others. My wife and I try to set very clear boundaries. You know, when we get our kids to bed, um, we say, you know what, we're gonna take our phones, we're gonna set them to the side, we're gonna engage with each other, have a real conversation, listen, listen to each other. And parents with kids, you know what this is like. Um, and just this last week, you know, we get our kids to bed, we do our uh, Advent devotional, we pray with them, and just trying to get that one hour to connect. And sometimes it's hard, and you got to be intentional to make that happen. But just this last week, earlier in the week, I got, I sat down in my recliner, and just by habit, my phone's right there on the side table. I grab it, get on there. I'm on Facebook. I'm scrolling, and my wife is like, "Are you on Facebook?" like, what are you doing? And every part of me wanted to be like, no, babe, like, I'm reading my Bible. I'm trying to lead you spiritually. And, and I don't do that. I'm honest. And I just set it down real quick. And I say, I'm sorry. You know, what, what is it that you wanted to talk about? And church, if I'm really honest with you, one of, the, one of the ongoing issues in my marriage is my failure to actually listen to my wife. Like, something will come up that I don't know about, that I should know about that because I didn't listen, right? And um, she, she'll say, um, you didn't really listen, did you? Like, I told you about this. And I have to be honest. And I have to say, well, yes, but no. Like, yes, yes, I remember you vaguely speaking about it, but I didn't really let it set in. Does that make sense? I do that a lot, Um, and City Light, I share that because in a similar way, in a similar way, we can silence the voice of God with the voices of this world, and the reality is most of us are drawn to our devices. We're drawn to social media. We're drawn to Netflix. We're drawn to Fortnite. I know a lot of that, that's a popular game for the kids. You fill in the blank, but we're drawn to these things that we don't actually take time to listen to to God speak. And maybe just Jesus is being drowned out by all the noise that is going all around you, uh, the noises of this world. And maybe it's uh, the situation you're facing, the pressure, the pressure from your job, the, the pressure to perform. Or maybe it's just the, the desire inside of you to be entertained, to just make it uh, about you. But the question I have for all of you this morning is this, who are, or what are you listening to? You see, God has spoken through his son, Jesus Christ. The question is, does he have your undivided attention? John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then further down, John 1.14, it says, and the word became flesh. This is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. As a prophet. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Jesus is the incarnate word of God. When Jesus began his ministry, he came uh, preaching a message. And he said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He came preaching a message to repent and to believe. He came preaching a message about himself. And he came to usher in a new kingdom. And he came with power and authority from the Father, and he came offering himself to all who would receive him. He came offering forgiveness of sins, eternal life, and the, and the chance to be a part of his family. And City Light, the message, that message is the same message for us today. The question is, are you listening? Do you have ears to hear? Are you listening to the voice of God? Our response to Jesus when it comes to listening, it should really simply be two things. And if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write these down. Number one, we need to hear and believe. And number two, we need to hear and obey. See, God broke through time and space, and he brought salvation into this world. And first, we need to respond. And that's our responsibility. And in salvation, it's to hear and believe. We must listen and respond in faith to the glorious promise fulfilled in the Christmas story by Jesus Christ. Secondly, we must listen and respond in faithful obedience to live for Christ and for his glory, to take ourselves off the throne of our lives and put Christ in his rightful place. See, the arrival of Jesus Christ didn't just bring a prophet. It's not, Jesus wasn't just a good moral teacher, just a man. He was a divine prophet with a final decisive word for us. There is no greater message There's nothing that will come later. The message is this, it's about Jesus, it's about his work, it's about his life and what he accomplished for us. And the best way to get to know Jesus, to listen to his voice, church, by way of application, is through the Bible. This book, this Bible, it is trustworthy, it's reliable, it's true. And it contains everything that we need for our lives And it teaches us about Jesus and about his character. This Bible is 66 books divinely inspired by God. And it's God speaking to us. And we have the whole thing. Praise God. We have the whole thing. And it's divinely inspired because God spoke through the prophets. And everything that he's spoken through the prophets has come to pass. See, of all the holy books in the world, only the Bible contains Accurate predictive prophecy because only the God of the Bible can know the future and bring it to pass. And He's done everything that He's promised through Jesus Christ. See, God is batting a thousand because He is perfect and He is perfectly trustworthy. And as I was reading about the characteristics of the uh, Bible this re- week, I ran across a, a list of characteristics of truth claims about the Bible. And I wanted to share them with you, because I really think that it speaks to this message today, and as I read them, I, I want you to think about the Word of God, and I want you to think about Jesus. OK? So we're going to read them here. should be up on the slides. The Bible is given by God's inspiration. The Bible is the very word of God. The Bible is all we need to know God. The Bible is a perfect guide for life. It's pure. It's true. It's trustworthy. The Bible is perfect. It's effective. It's powerful. It's not to be taken from or added to. It's for everyone. The Bible is the standard by which all teaching is tested. The Bible is to be obeyed. And what's amazing about these truths is that every single one of them describes Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. And his word is powerful because he has all authority and he is the one by which all teaching is tested because there is only one way to the father and that is through Jesus Christ because nothing can be added to his finished work that he began when he was born as a baby in Bethlehem, when he came as the final and ultimate prophet. See, the Bible, which is a story all about Jesus, should fill your thoughts It should get your attention. It should be the primary voice that you were listening to day in and day out. See, the final prophet has come, and if you want to get to know him, you've got to dive in with a hunger and an appetite for his word and for the person of Jesus. And maybe you don't know where to start. If that's you, if you feel stuck, um, maybe you're just investigating Christianity and what this whole God thing is all about, I would encourage you to grab a Bible and start reading in the Gospel of John. In the New Testament, it's one of the Gospels, and it really lays out the person of Jesus Christ, what he did, what he came to accomplish, and what he's done through his life, death, and resurrection. You know, as a, as a newer Christian, I think we're tempted to, to grab this, um, or if we don't know about God, we treat it like a regular book and think, well, I've got to start at the beginning. I'm going to read in Genesis, and I'm going to read in Exodus, and then There's some really exciting stories there, and that's fun to read through. And you get to Leviticus, and you get to the law, and then you just stop. You're like, okay, I'm done. I can't do it. You know, I've done that. And so I'd encourage you. The Gospel of John is a great place to start. Um, You can go back to the Old Testament and fill in those gaps later on. But if you're just getting started, start there. And I would encourage you as well. uh, We have great resources in the back. Uh, We've got a bookmark that will help you. Uh, just study the Bible, to journal through the Bible. If you don't have one of those, there's a bookmark at the Get Connected area. And if you don't have a Bible, we've got some Bibles in the back. Please, they're free. Take one. I would encourage you to start reading it. I want to read a quote from you, for you from John Piper that really speaks into uh, the word of God and listening to the voice of God. Listen to this quote from John Piper. He says this, When I complain that I don't hear the word of God, when I feel a desire to hear the voice of God and get frustrated that he does not speak in ways that I may crave, what am I really saying? I, am I really saying that I have exhausted this final decisive word revealed to me so fully in the New Testament? Have I really exhausted this word? Has it become so much a part of me that it has shaped my very being and giving me life and guidance? Or have I treated it lightly? skimmed it like a newspaper, dipped in it like a taste tester, and then decided I wanted something different, something more. This is what I fear I am guilty of more than I wish to admit. God God is calling us to hear his final decisive word, to meditate on it and study it and memorize it and linger over it and soak in it until it saturates us to the very center of our being. You know, I, I know I can relate to this quote from John Piper, and yet there's still this call to hear the final word of God, to, to look to Jesus, to listen to the voice of Jesus, because the very words of Jesus bring life, and they bring peace, and they bring joy, and they bring connection with the Father. You know, additionally, when we look at the Bible, it's not just something we come to for information, where we take bits and pieces that we like and toss the other bits and pieces to the side. No, 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 no. The Bible is so much more than just a a piece of literature we come to for information. The Bible is something we come to for transformation. You know, at Jesus' baptism, the Father spoke these words, and he says, This is my son. Listen to him. The incarnation of Jesus as prophet beckons us to to hear these words, to, to listen and to respond and to pursue and to experience Jesus. And for everyone who does not listen to these words, for those who reject the word of God, who do not believe in Jesus, there is a reality. There's a stark reality of judgment and condemnation. The Bible is very clear on that. And judgment, in fact, is one of the functions uh, of a prophet. And we know that Jesus is coming again one day as the final prophet and as a judge. And that leads me to my third part. And I don't have a lot of time here, so I'll wrap up in the next few minutes. But number three, the longing, the longing of a prophet. And now you've got to remember the Advent story doesn't just stop with Jesus coming as a baby we ourselves as New Testament Christians can also look forward to the second Advent. But what else can he bring us? What else can we long for? We can long for the future because we know that Jesus will come in power and he will usher in a new heaven and a new earth and there will be a time where we no longer need this Bible because we will be in the very presence of the word of God. We will be in the very Presence of Jesus Christ, and that's going to be awesome, Amen. Revelation uh, 19 speaks to this in verses 11 through 16, and then uh, 19 through 20. It says this: Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In verse 19, And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who have received the mark of the beast, and those who worshiped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. Merry Christmas. I mean, (laughs) right? (laughs) But here's what I want you to notice. In all honesty and seriousness about this passage, this is describing the last day when Jesus advents again. And on that day in verse 15 it says it's going to be the word of God that's going to defeat the enemies of God. The good news of this passage is that evil cannot resist Christ's power. Christ is the word of God bringing judgment to pass with a a sharp sword that will deliver the final blow to our enemy. And Jesus is not only the word of God, he's described here as faithful and true. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. And we can long for And anticipate this day when this time will come when Jesus returns, riding on a white horse, and there will be no more lies. The only voice that we will hear will be the sweet voice of Jesus as we see him face to face. And all the noise of this world and all the lies, they will be silenced. And the word of God will shine brighter than ever, radiating perfectly, and giving us constant light and constant life. And so City Light, as we celebrate with joy in our hearts this morning that Jesus did come as a divine prophet, that he is the word of God in the flesh, we also long for the day that he returns to judge all people and to bring us into eternity with him. And so today, this morning, and in this Christmas season, would you give him your undivided attention? And would you listen to his voice? And if you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, I would just ask you, would you hear these words? Would you believe, would you respond in faith to this good news that Jesus came? Would you stand with me and we'll close in prayer. Father God, we do thank you that you are uh, the final word to us. God, there is no other name by which we can be saved other than Jesus Christ. And we look to you in this season. We thank you that you came, speaking to us, and that you've spoken. You spoke the world into existence. You spoke from the prophets of old, and you've come and you've spoken through your son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you'd fill our hearts with joy this morning as we respond and worship. And for those of you that are out there, and, and maybe you've never taking that first step to respond, to hear and believe. And maybe that's you this morning, you know in your heart, you want to take that step, you want to move towards Jesus, you want to invite him in, you know that he's spoken a word and you just simply have to receive it. I would just invite you to pray these words uh, after me. Jesus, I thank you that you are speaking. I thank you that you are real. And I confess that I am a, a broken, sinful person, Thank you for the words of life that you have given. Thank you for forgiveness. Come into my life and change me and make me in helping to hear you more clearly and to obey your word. And for the rest of us, God, I just pray that each one of us, in a very real way this morning, uh, we, we would just lay aside all the distractions, all the noise that's going on in this world, and we would listen very clearly to your voice. We would listen to your words. We would meditate on them, God, and we would just relish in the fact that we can know you in an intimate and personal way. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.